about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. This is week number... Number nine, we've got two more weeks to go, 10 and 11, and then uh, we will be done with the authority class. There'll be 10 tapes in all when it is finished, covering a lot of different things. So Psalm 111 tonight, Psalm 111. Father, I thank you for this opportunity once again to speak your word, reveal your word. I thank you that supernatural wisdom and knowledge will hit the hearts of everybody here, that they will see with new eyes the kingdom of God. They will see the heavenly perspective that you raised him up to. They will come to understand there is power in the name of Jesus in their life in every area of it. Father, I thank you for your spirit's move once again tonight to reveal to them all they need to know. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Okay, Psalm 111, look at verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endures forever. We're going to talk tonight about the wisdom of God because it's one of the most important things that you can learn about. Basically, in a nutshell, the word of God is the wisdom of God. The word of God is the wisdom of God. God's thoughts and ideas and desires he has put down on paper. Here it says basically the beginning of the reverencing the Lord and the fear of the Lord is basically the seeking of wisdom. A person who reverences the Lord will seek the wisdom of the Word of God. You are here tonight simply because you reverence the Lord and want to know His wisdom, His thoughts, His desires. You need to study, meditate, and speak the Word of God. You will begin to think with, the, with what the Bible calls the mind of Christ. You will think God's thoughts, you'll know God's ways, you'll know God's desires. The Bible says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. That means the mind of Christ is available to each and every person who seeks the wisdom or the word of the Lord. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 6. It says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princesses of this world that come to naught. All that God does and all that he is is abiding, and right now it is increasing. So the wisdom of this age is fading away. It's becoming extinct. The governing powers are declining to their end, Ever since their defeat, the powers of darkness have steadily lost strength and power. Jesus came basically to replace the existing world order and wisdom, which was Satan's realm, with God's order and God's reign and God's realm. This is why Jesus came. This is what the extension of the kingdom is all about. Jesus came to replace the existing world order wisdom, which was Satan's reign, with God's order, the reign of God's wisdom. When Jesus returns to set up his kingdom on earth, the things that most people consider to be of high intelligence and wise will be obsolete in that day. What once was very wise in the world's eyes will reach its end. In its place will be the full expression 
on a manifested wisdom of God himself. The child of God does not need to wait for the millennial reign of Christ to put wisdom in this age. Basically, Jesus took the keys of the kingdom. He gave it to the church. He's given us authority. He's given us power. He's given us the name and his word. The child of God must only receive the keys and govern by the wisdom of the spirit of God. You need to learn and obey the word in every single area of your life. Notice how be it we speak wisdom to them that are mature, yet it's not the wisdom of this world nor of the princesses of this world that come to naught. Notice the two wisdoms are basically opposite. They do not get along. They are not the way to do things. How you handle your money, if you do it the way the world system do, sooner or later you will fail. If you handle your marriage with the world system and the world's wisdom, it will fail. That's why in order to reverence the Lord, the first thing you need to understand is you are stupid in the things of God and in the kingdom of God. Once you get born into the kingdom of God and you start reading the word, you're going to find out that Jesus did a lot of things differently than what's being done in the natural realm right now. So slowly in your mind, the spirit of God is going to start to go to work and he's going to start to root out all those things that you learned, whether it was 20 years, 25, 30, 40, how many years you learned it. He wants to root those things out and show you God's way and God's kingdom of doing things in your life. The more you line up with those ways, the more success you will have in every single area of your life. God's way is a spiritual thing. It lines up with the kingdom of God. It is heavenly, godly wisdom brought to you by the Holy Ghost. The world's wisdom is slowly passing away. Now, if you've been in the church very long and you've been under the word of God very long and God has already dealt with you in many areas of your mind, at this point you're thinking, how can people be so stupid out there right now? How many of you have ever thought that? Of course you have, because your mind has been renewed, it's been changed, but you've got to remember back that there was a day when you were the stupid one. There was a day when you didn't know any godly wisdom. When you were living whatever the world told you, you went ahead and did it anyway because you thought that was a smart thing to do. But notice now it's being overtaken. He wants to overtake people's thought life with the kingdom of God ways and the way God operates. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 4. All right, Ephesians 4, look at verse 27. It says, neither give place to the devil. We found out from the word that Jesus dethroned the devil, but it's up to you as a believer to make sure he does not come back into your life. If you will keep your thoughts in agreement with God's thoughts, the devil will have no place in your life. The word says, neither give place to the devil. Notice who's responsible for that. You are. So I'm not going to give him place in my money. I'm not going to give him place in my body. I'm not going to give him place in my thoughts. I'm not going to give him place in my marriage. The devil basically operates as a spirit of fear. You must reject fear and do not permit its influence in your life. The Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Once again, fear is a spirit. You can see in the world today, fear is trying to take over people's lives. All you have to do as a believer in the name of Jesus is resist the devil or fear, and it'll do what? It will flee. 
So we're going to allow the wisdom of God to be the guide for our life in this time. The will of God for your situation is as near to you as the Word of God is as near to you. In other words, any answer you need with any problem you got is already in the Word of God and the wisdom of God. You've just got to go there rather than listening to the world's experts right now who really don't have any idea what they're talking about spiritually. Allow the Word to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Those that know the word on the subject will enforce the will of God on that subject. Those that enforce the will enforce Satan's defeat in every area of their life. When the believer rises to this place of recognizing the enemy and running him out of your life, they will begin to see word of God results in every single area of their life. All right, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Times we're living in now, you need to be in the Word quite a bit, basically, just to make sure that you're not being pulled one way or another. Everything sounds good that you hear, but some of it you've got to filter out what is really the wisdom of God and what is the wisdom of this world. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient, in meekness, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Now this is an interesting scripture here, isn't it? First of all, it tells you why you are in bondage in any area of your life, basically because you do not know God's wisdom or the truth in that area of your life. Here it says all you need to do is find that truth, acknowledge that truth, and repent, which means change your way of thinking to line up with the truth. And notice, you may recover yourself. Say, recover myself. 99% of my deliverance in my life was self-deliverance. It came from reading the Word, discovering the Word, getting wisdom in the Word, acting on that wisdom, and whatever was holding me back broke off of my life at that time. I didn't have to go hardly any other place to do it but the Word of the living God. God has already provided the tools that will enforce the will of God in your life. He's given you authority. We've studied that. He's given you power. We've studied that. He's given you the name of Jesus. We've studied that. The Christian must only pick up these tools that God has given them, exercise their God-given dominion, and take charge of what God has freely given them. The believer does not have to be taken captive by the devil at his will. They can take charge and enforce their divine right. You can say, hey, wait a minute, devil, I'm in charge of this situation. I'm putting you out of my life right now in Jesus' name. They can enforce the kingdom of God here on the earth. God has given you the keys, but only you can pick them up, and only you can use them. If you do not use what you have been given, your good intentions will fall short of producing heaven's result in your life. Tonight and every day you stand at a crossroads. You have two different directions to go. You can go God's way, or you can go the world's way, depending on which wisdom you receive and obey. One direction simply leads you down a place of unfulfilled dreams. The other one leads you into a place of choosing a direction of the ability from heaven operating in your life. You will either choose the world's wisdom or you will choose God's wisdom. Whenever I minister to people, whether it be their marriage or whatever else, I simply give them the wisdom of God on the situation. I give them the truth, show them in the Bible what the Word says. How many know it's up to them? 
whether they're going to do what the truth says and what the word of wisdom says to them. It's entirely up to them. If I get a call two weeks later, isn't, isn't any better? I guarantee you what happened. They did not do what I told them to do. So we meet again, and you know what I tell them? The same thing that I told them the last time to do until they do it. If you don't act on the wisdom of God, you can be the smartest spiritual person in the world. It's not going to help you unless you do what the word of God tells you that you need to be able to do. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. How many ever heard this? I know I'm supposed to forgive. I know the Bible says that I'm supposed to. I know it does. I know right where it is. I know four scriptures that say that I should forgive. I know exactly where it's at. But All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The message of the world is channeled through principalities of darkness and powers. They enter through your thought life, through suggestions, through imaginations, and a lot of times through words. They will attempt to gain access into your life, into your thoughts, then into your mouth. Only you can decide if you will give the devil place or if you will use your God-given authority to take charge. Once again, it's entirely up to you. It's your choice. The choice is yours. You hear the thought, you're no good. You're lazy. You're just a sinner. You're a failure. God doesn't love you. You can't do anything. Take your authority over your thought life and bring every thought, not a few, but every thought captive to the will of God and the wisdom of God. If you are not in control of your life, then God is not in control of your life. It comes with you being in control first. The devil is not a gentleman. He is not waiting on your vote. He attacks your mind all the time. You must be proactive in God. Go after divine results, contend for the best, and study the Word of God to get the wisdom of God in your life. There's wisdom, I mean, as far as finances go, my mindset has totally changed on how to handle finances, how to deal with finances, totally changed on forgiveness, totally changed on the power of God, totally changed on the authority of God. All this came from the Word of God and the wisdom of God. All right, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5. All right, Hebrews chapter 5, look at verse 13. It says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Even in the natural realm, how many of you know if you have a baby, you don't give him a T-bone steak the first time he comes home because basically he's not going to be able to eat it and swallow it. This shows you that the spiritual child may not be able to swallow some of the things that are given to them as far as the wisdom of God goes. But it still goes into their system. It still goes into their spirit for a later time. There's going to come a day when that baby in the natural is going to be able to eat stronger food. Same way with somebody in the kingdom of God. There's going to come a day when what you thought was heresy, all at once you're going to find out that that 
guy knew what he was talking about anyway, because there's going to be a revelation that hits your life. The mature are those who are already walking in God's will and God's wisdom. They are not foolish or unwise concerning the divine will of God. They have allowed the Holy Ghost to lead them into the fullness of the truth of the Word of God. The mature take charge in their lives through the Word of God and their authority. These have the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God in every area of their life so that they can stay in line with the kingdom of God and the things of God. All right, go to Romans chapter 5. This is why even if you're a new Christian, you have to stick around and listen to the Word of God. Some things you'll be able to get out of the sermon, some things you won't. But you'll be able to get something out of it. There's enough spray out there where you'll be able to get something out of it that will help you to grow. Just be patient also with yourself, for goodness sakes. You're not going to be a spiritual giant in two weeks. It doesn't work that way. You're growing a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. All right, Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned, how many know that was Adam? Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Here it says, through Adam's offense death reigned. Now this is talking about spiritual death and physical death. Through the abundance of grace and the gift of your right standing back with God, those that were once held captive by the reign of death and the enemy will now reign in life through Jesus Christ. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, the nature of Satan entered into them. When their first child came into the world, he was by nature a child of the devil and every child after him. But the sacrifice of Calvary brought a new day, the dawning of a new breed of people. Jesus became the head of a new race and his gift of right standing with the kingdom of God, the authority and power that he gave us have been made available to every single born again person. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have, all things have become and all things are of God. Praise God. If you ever want to get a hold of a scripture, that's the one you need to get a hold of. That takes care of all the stupid stuff you did before you got born again and shows you that everything you got from God is from God, basically. It's in line with God's word. One of the things we got was the divine nature. Say, I have the divine nature of God. Notice it's available to every person who's born into the kingdom of God. It's not something that basically you get later on, but you grow into your divine nature. Now, how do you get into the divine nature? Do you try hard? Do you struggle? Do you fight the flesh? For years, that's what I was taught to do. You just got to quit. You just got to battle lies. You got to battle this. But I found out the only way to get into your divine nature is through faith and agreement with who you really are. In other words, when I started confessing that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, basically it registered of who I was on the inside. I started acting like the righteousness of God in Christ. When I started saying to myself, I am one anointed dude, praise God. Why? Because everybody looked up to me? No, because it says in the Word that I have the anointing of God. So I was going to agree with that divine nature, and that made it manifest in my life, rather than trying to get anointed, trying to get holy, trying to be righteous. Even sometimes in here when we sing that song, I know who I am, and you get to the part about I am holy, I am righteous, you can just see people out there going, geez, I can't, I can't even say that. I am, uh, I am, uh, I. why is that? Because they've been taught they're sinners, been taught they're failures, they can't even, they think they're being uh, overly uh, 
prideful by just saying who you are. But notice, everything you get from God has very little to do with you. It's all been provided by Him for you. You're just receiving what He gave you. You're not trying to get anything. So if you're walking around the house saying, well, I'm just no good. How many know where that thought came from? I can't do anything. I'm just such a sinner. I fail every day. How many know where that came from? Well, then you've got to cast those thoughts and imaginations down and come into agreement. That's the way your divine nature manifests. Everything you get from God is by grace, through faith, not of yourself. It comes from God. So I'm going to put faith in whatever God says. How am I going to grow? I'm going to grow from faith to faith and one level of glory to another level of glory. I'm not going to do it by me fighting anger, by me doing this, by me doing that. No, I'm going to do it by believing what God has told me in His wisdom. Hey, I just got to believe He's smarter than me. And when He says I'm anointed, I'm just going to say, okay, if that's the way. You're holy. All right, praise God. You're righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You can do all things. Yes, I can. Hallelujah. So what am I doing? I'm simply agreeing with the wisdom of God rather than the wisdom of the world and trying to do something in the flesh by myself. In many cases, many, many churches teach you that you've got to struggle, you've got to fight, you've got to get rid of your anger problem. I mean, if you're going to walk around saying, I'm an angry man all day long, it's going to be very hard to get rid of that anger problem. You're reinforcing it every single day of your life. You'll never get rid of the thing. That's also with sickness and disease. The main thing is you need to get healing in your mouth rather than symptoms. Basically, they're there. Are the symptoms real? You bet they are, praise God, especially if they're in your body. But you've got the Word of God to put in your mouth, the wisdom of God that tells you who you are and, and where you're at. And when you agree with that, it manifests in your physical body. So instead of trying to tap into the divine, basically, that we have, we've been instructed, basically, to try to control our appetites, which you cannot do. Ignorant of the truth, they live outside their rights and below their nature their whole life, thinking that they get better. And the worst part about this is, to a certain extent, you can control your appetites. So every now and then, you'll have a good day. But then the next day, you'll have a bad day. But then the next day, you have a good day. And the next day, you have a bad day. Up and down and up. I mean, it'll wear you out spiritually on the inside. All right, go to Second Peter chapter 1. It's to go to a denomination where we prayed time and time and time again. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us sinners. Well, guess what I was doing? I had no problem with sinning. Why? I was a sinner. Sinners are supposed to sin. Are you righteous? Are you out of your mind? I'm a sinner. How can I do righteousness when I'm a sinner? But it build it in and build it in and build it, and it's going to trap you there, basically, through your mindset, even though on the inside of you is the divine nature of God the whole time. Praise God. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 3. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Notice, you're not called to fail and fall down. You're called to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, these what? Exceeding great and precious promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through what? Through lust. So notice here it says, I've been given to you precious promises. So the promises that say I'm holy, the promises that say I'm mighty, the promises say that I can do all things. I'm going to take those promises and put faith in those promises. And by doing that, I'm going to escape the corruption that is not only in the world, but was also in my mind up to this point, basically. Most people want to escape the corruption and get the divine nature. 
No, if you get the divine nature, you'll escape the corruption. Are you listening? How am I going to get darkness when I came in out of here? Was I going to try to force darkness out? No, I was simply going to turn on the... And when I turn on the light, where did darkness go? It left. So in faith, I put faith, and I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm anointed, and it comes real in me. It drives out the corruption that was in my thought life to begin with and makes a total change in my life of who I am and what I can do. Once again, God wants you to receive the divine nature. Why give it to you if you don't want us to receive it anyway? People said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll have the divine nature. Well, it ain't going to do you much good up there. You ain't going to cast out any devils. You're not going to heal any sick people up there, and your authority really ain't going to work out there because God's handling things pretty well up there. So all these things are down here on earth for us to do. So a person who's been taught that they are a sinner will have faith to live very well as a sinner. The child of God, however, has not received the sin nature, but they are a brand new creation with the divine nature on the inside of them. When born again, you are saved from the nature of the devil, and instead of darkness, you now have inherited the nature and light of God. The child of God is called to reign and to rule as a king in this life. They are called to overcome adversity with the rights and the privileges of the divine nature and the kingdom of God on the inside of you. One of the transitions is the toughest one to make is that you are not just a regular person, but you are a king. What does a king do? Rules. If you can convince yourself that you're a king, you'll start to rule. If you can't convince yourself you are a king. Many times, first of all, you will be convinced that someone else is a king. So you'll go to them and let them rule, which is good for a while. There's no problem with that if you don't have the revelation. You go to somebody who has that revelation, they'll pray for you, they'll break things off you, depression and all that. But God wants us to mature. Yes. Yes. See? I mean, you want to still be tying your kid's shoe at the age of 21? <laughs> no, you don't want to do it. You expect them to actually figure it out for themselves sooner or later and be able to do that. So it's the same way He wants us to grow up and mature. So many in the kingdom of God who do not know their ability have said, if God doesn't do something, I'm going down. Some people say, if God doesn't help me, it's all over. But those who know their kingdom rights and authority say, wait a minute. I have authority in this situation and over this situation. It's not like it used to be. I have God living on the inside of me. I am a king and a priest in this life, and I decide to rule over every area of my life. These have the name. They possess the nature, and they walk in the divine will of God with authority every day of their life. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 6. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 16. It tells you, above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice, above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench what? Notice, how many? How many? Notice, you have the ability to quench every fiery dart that comes against your mind and into your life. The anointing that you have destroys the yoke of bondage. That yoke can be destroyed by one who exercises their authority and their power. How do we exercise authority and power again? We know the Word of God and we pull the trigger on our authority by speaking the Word of God out our mouth. What does that do? It releases the power that's on the inside of you. A person like this will boldly pronounce judgment on any bondage that tries to come in their life. They will say, lying spirit of bondage, you can't rule in my life anymore. I know who I am in Christ. In Jesus' name, you leave me now. 
Jesus says, it is finished. The devil has been defeated. The curse has been broken. The blood has been shed. The price has been paid. When all has been said and done, it is now up to us, men and women in the kingdom of God, to enforce God's word in your own life. When the devil says it is impossible for you to forgive, forgive anyway. God has said, forgive men their trespasses. When the devil says you're going down in defeat for sure, laugh at him and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper and all those who rise up against me shall be condemned. Victory is within our nature and our authority and our power. You can break down every fiery dart that tries to come against you. How do we do that? It's simple. Simply believe God, believe the wisdom of God, and lay claim to His will. A lot of times you can say, I hear have that thought, but God said this. You can say, it is written. You can say, no, God says I'm healed. No, God says I'm blessed. No, God says I'm anointed. No, God says I'm free. What am I doing? I'm simply believing what God has said. I know His wisdom. I've been studying His wisdom. I believe His wisdom is higher in me that I'm going to lay claim to that wisdom or the Word of God. Those who use what they know will grow in understanding and promotion in God. And this is a real key in your life. If you want to keep growing in revelation from God, you've got to do something with the revelation God gives you. If not, it seems like you will not go anywhere for a while. And if you go back to God, He's simply going to say, Do what I told you to do the last time we had a conversation, and you will start getting more revelation in your life. Doing the Word is very important. What is true humility with God? Basically being in agreement with God's Word and His wisdom. Just agreeing with His Word and wisdom. What will it do? It will put out every fiery dart that comes against you. All right, go to 1 Peter chapter 5, or chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. The more word you stick on the inside of you, the more room and more opportunity you give the Holy Ghost to work in your life. Because the more stuff you pour in there, even if you're listening to it on your phone or however you're doing, you're putting it in there, you get in a situation where confusion starts and you don't know what to do about the situation and, you, and you're trying to figure it out. How many know you try to figure stuff out all the time? Trying to figure out all at once the Holy Ghost will take what's already on the inside and he'll bring it to remembrance to you. And all at once your answer was in here the whole time, but you're trying to get your answer up here the whole time. And then you call somebody else who's intellectual and you'll get some more information. It'll just confuse you even more. Your answer comes from in here up, not from here. Most of the time here is just what you think should be right, and most of the time it's not right. And many people come talk out of their minds all the time and basically say, that was God. When it don't work out, then God gets the blame. No, that was you. You were in your mind. God never misses it. He doesn't need corrected. He's doing just fine, and he knows what to do. But the Spirit of God will quicken on the inside of you, basically, what you've already put in there, and he'll bring it to remembrance when you need it. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 5. It says, who are kept by the power of God through what? Faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in this last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ." 
Sometimes I don't understand when, when Christians get born again and they get in the kingdom of God and they come up to me and say, I just don't understand why all this stuff is going on in my life. My gosh, he warns us several times in here. It's not like it's a surprise. God never told me this. Oh, yeah, he told you this in James. He told you this in Peter. He told you this stuff was coming. He's telling you how to deal with it when it comes. And basically what he wants to do mainly is he wants you to keep you in something called humility. Say humility. Humility basically looks at the wisdom of the word and agrees with it, even if it doesn't make sense. If you go with your senses and your thought life, you'll fail every single time. Instead of taking the helm of their life, basically they leave it up to the sovereignty of God, and whatever God wants to do, God will do. Has you ever heard anybody say that? Well, what do you think God's going to do in this situation? Well, he's God. Whatever he wants to do, he can do. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The future is certainly not ours to see. Que sera, 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 sera. But that's not the way it is. Basically, you have authority. You have power. You have the name of Jesus. You have been put. And this is why the kingdom of God is so important this day and hour. Christianity basically got you born again. You're going to heaven, hallelujah, and gave you power and authority over nothing. You were just supposed to go along in life, and whatever happened, happened, and cry out to God and help you. But when you learn about the kingdom that you've been promoted to a place of a king, when you've been given authority, when you've been given power, when you can rule and manage your own situations and your circumstances, isn't that what everybody in the world actually wants anyway? They want to be able to be in control of their situations and circumstances. Well, he's given you the wisdom of God, the authority of God, the divine nature. So any situation or circumstance that comes in your life, if you've got the wisdom of God and the will of God on it, you can come against that thing in your own life and run that thing out of your life. You're no longer a victim just gone through life. Oh, when I die, I'll get to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. No, he's looking for people to rise up in this day and hour. How many know there's spiritual forces out there all over the place that need to be put back in their place? And it's only going to be done. God's not going to come down and do it anymore. He did not create man so he could come down and take care of him. He created man to rule on this earth. And as kingdom people, you are called to rule and reign on this earth and in your own life. How many know it starts though in your own life? See, start controlling the little things in your own life. My God, go through one day without any worry. Hallelujah. Praise God. No, you want to cast out 42 demons and you want to set 1,000 people free. And man, you can't even, dear Lord, I'm telling you. And when you start to get an idea of setting people free and you get the phone call and somebody's in the hospital and you'll get in your car and I'll tell you what, Judith will pull out in front of you and Bobby will flip you off and you'll hit 14 red lights. And by the time you get to the hospital, my God, you need prayer rather than laying hands on anybody. It doesn't work that way, see? You've got to grow up in the things of God. We've got to grow. We've got to take those things. Is there going to be opposition? Yes, all the time. But you go through the oppositions, over the oppositions, around them, trample on them if you have to. But we keep going forward because we are kingdom people, praise God. And kingdom people win in victory every single day of their life. Glory to God. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. Right, once again, I would tell you to strongly put a marker by this scripture, star, whatever you do, yellow, orange, green, purple. Use it in your prayer life. It's a very important scripture. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. How I many know it must have been important? And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and in spiritual understanding. 
Now, Paul prayed this for the church. He prayed it for the Colossians. He prayed that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that they would know what God's will is. What is God's will? It's His Word. If this was His never-ceasing prayer, then knowledge of His will must be available, number one, and it must be very important, number two. He knows that the will of God should be known by the child of God, and once again, God's will is His Word. Many believers that I run into pray, if it be thy will. How many of you ever heard that? If you know something, then there is no if in it. You either know his will or you don't know his will. God does not work in mysterious ways. I found out he works in revealed ways. There are people all over the world sick and dying, needing a miracle. Their hope is in God, yet they have no knowledge of his will. When you pray for them and ask them if God will heal them, they reply, well, if it be his will, it's up to God. He knows what he wants to do. God's will is to heal, but people have not been filled with the knowledge of his will in spiritual understanding. For some reason, they have not been taught the will of God. Instead, they were given a catch-all phrase that conveniently sweeps everything in their life under the carpet of God's sovereignty. Don't worry, God's got it. God's in control. I just want what God wants. That's all I want. They were given a theology that is not based on the Bible. It was born out of religious tradition and ignorance. Those that hold on such air will not use their authority and hold to the belief that it is God's fault many times in their life. How many know that people have blamed God? then got mad at God, then believed God didn't love them, and they ended up in a pit someplace. Well, God's going to love you no matter what you do in your life. That's already there. He loves you unconditionally. So whatever happens in your life, God's already said that He loves you. God always wants the best for each and every one of you. So if something's not working in your life, find the wisdom of God, go to God, find out what His will is, and start enforcing it in your life. How many know that God will hold the teacher responsible for what He teaches? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if you take this serious, you'll be studying the Bible a lot. Hallelujah. The one that handles the Word of God deceitfully will be held accountable for kingdom casualties. It is easier to preach God's sovereignty on the subject rather than a believer having responsibility. Mm, my gosh, we could stay there for two days. Much easier just to play, well, God, that's the way God is. What's your problem over there? Oh, you lost all your money? Well, don't worry. God's got it all under control. Everything will be fine. God's got it. No problem. How you doing over there? Oh, your husband left you? All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And everybody's out there going, amen, amen. <laughs> then you preach, hey, get up, rebuke the devil, forgive your husband, and go back. And there ain't one person yelling amen anyway back there. Come on, this is truth, because nobody wants to hear that. They don't want to hear it's their responsibility. It's all up to God. Let's blame God. Let's see if God wants to do it. He don't want to do it. But that's not the way it works, see? We preach responsibility here because I want every single one of you living prosperous. I want you living in the power of God. I want you living healed. I want you living full of God. I want you filled with the wisdom of God. I want to grow up a people who come in together with one mind and one heart where the power of God is excelled and exuberated and set out to set people free, praise God. And new people will come and they'll catch on to that. They'll feel that. They'll see that because it's already in here. See, we're not trying to put it in there. It's already there, and it stirs something up on the inside. They said, I always wanted to live in victory. Nobody ever told me I could do that before. I sort of like that church. I'm feeling better about myself. I'm doing... What is that? That's the word of God and the kingdom of God that you've been searching for your whole life on the inside of you. Praise God. All right, now quit it. I'm trying to teach tonight. Leave me alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Notice that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. When someone writes a will and testament, it is the final authority. After they die, that document 
will end all debates and settle all questions. If the, your name is included in that will, then there is no more cause to doubt the will. Basically, Christ has left us his mind, which is the testament of God, the will of God, and wrote it down on paper. This is why the Bible is so important. People say, I don't know what God believes. Well, he wrote it down. See, not only is it up here, I mean, if it's up here and you die, nobody really knows what's up here. But even if you've got a will in your own life, it's up here, but you write it down what your actual will is. What happens if you die then and take it with you, you still got it down on paper, and that was your thoughts. Well, God did the same thing. He said, let's see, I'm going to make new creations. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to fiddle with the Spirit. I'm going to give them power and authority, and basically I'm going to write it down so that they can read it. So you don't have to wonder what God thinks. Just read what he thinks because he already wrote it down for each and every one of us. You can inherit every one of the divine promises. The Bible says that you are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. All right, look at verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. I sort of want to do that. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice, those that know the will of God will walk worthy of the Lord. They will please God in their spiritual understanding. It will enable them to live fruitful in how many good works? Every good work. If someone asks, well, are you going to live? They simply say, well, of course I'm going to live. Doesn't the Bible say that he's going to satisfy me with long life? Then I'm going to live because that's what he said. They don't say, are you going to live? Well, if it be his will, I'm going to live. No, because they don't know his will yet, praise God. So they need to learn his will. It's foolish to believe two reports. God is not the one who heals thee and also the one who makes thee sick. The child of God must therefore dismiss fables and contend for the truth. We exercise our faith. We speak His promises and guard the word that's in our heart. As you do this, you will increase in the knowledge of God. And when you do this, you will not only know God's will, but you will start to know God. Hallelujah. Many people think they know God and they don't even know the word and don't even know His will. It's impossible. You will find out basically what He thinks, how He acts, what He does by simply studying the Word of God, and you'll get to know God and become more and more intimate with Him in every single area of your life. All right, look at verse 11. Strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with Joyfulness. Now that's a mouthful there, praise God. Strengthen with all might. As the believer increases in the knowledge, they will be strengthened with might on the inside of them. It is the power of God that strengthens them to all patience. Patience is the substance of longevity or long suffering. Without patience, we will live beneath the adversary's attacks in our life. Notice the pattern there. Strengthened with all might. Why am I strengthened? Because I know God's will. I'm filled with the knowledge and wisdom of God according to His glorious power. Now, in every situation, I'm going to be patient, even in long suffering, and I'm going to do that with? That's tough, ain't it? I mean, patience is good, long-suffering is good, but now you throw that joyful stuff on the end of that. Somebody messed up there, you think, along the line. But that's not it. That's part of it. There's joy also there in doing these things, praise God. All right, look at verse 12. And then giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet or able to be partakers or take part of the inheritance of the saints of light. Notice, once you find out His will, once you find out the perfect will that He has for you and the wisdom through the knowledge of the Bible and the Word of God says, you will move into a mode of thanksgiving. 
Now, why will I move into a mode of thanksgiving rather than asking him a lot of times? Because when I find out his will and his wisdom, I find out that most of the things I've been asking for, he already gave me. So I'm said, I'm just going to thank him for that. I'm not going to ask him to make me holy. I'm going to thank him for making me holy. I'm not going to ask him to make me righteous. I'm going to thank him for making me righteous. I'm not going to ask him to anoint me. I'm going to thank him for anointing me. You go into thanksgiving and you will receive the inheritance of the saints in light. And what will happen? You will start to become a partaker once again of the inheritance. How many of you know the divine nature is part of your inheritance? I want to take part in my divine nature. We have the ability to take part in our inheritance This inheritance is all that God has promised within the Word. We take part in the inheritance in the light through the knowledge of the will of God and the wisdom of God of the Word of God. The God of this world desires to keep your mind blinded to the wisdom of God and the things of God. The devil desires to keep us in the dark about your rights and your privileges that belong to you. If he can keep you ignorant, you will not partake in what belongs to you. All right, look at verse 13 who has, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now notice, after reading all we read tonight, after teaching all we did tonight, look at verse 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness. What is the main power of darkness? What is it? Ignorance. Ignorance. That's his main thing. He wants to keep you ignorant about what Jesus did for you, what he gave you, who you are, what you can do, how you can rule things. The power of darkness is basically mainly ignorance in your life. But now he has translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. The Bible says when you get born again and come into the kingdom of God, you can now see the kingdom of God. Up until that point, you had no spiritual wisdom and knowledge and revelation. You just saw the natural realm and lived according to the natural realm. But once you get born again, something happens to where your eyes are open and you start to see the wisdom of the Spirit of God and the things of God. All right, look at verse 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood and even the forgiveness of sins. So notice, you've been delivered from darkness. Say, I've been delivered from the power of darkness. So now you can see in the kingdom of God, you can discover the inheritance of the kingdom. You have divine rights in there that belong to you. You have to enforce these rights with the authority and the kingdom citizenship that he's given you. Basically, when you are confronted with a work of darkness like poverty or sickness or anything else, just remember what kingdom you belong to. Which kingdom do you belong to? Anything from darkness, I don't belong to me. Worry, that's in the kingdom of darkness. That don't belong to me. Fear, that's from the kingdom of darkness. That does not belong to me. Stir yourself up into remembrance and thank God that you have been delivered from the power, from poverty and sickness. Thank God that you have been delivered from the power of sin, sickness, and disease. Speak the language of your new nation. So in the kingdom of God, we have redemption. We have forgiveness. You can now rule and reign. You have the name above every other name. You have dominion and authority. You have Holy Ghost power. You simply need to agree with God's will and enforce His will in your life. His kingdom will come. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, go to Proverbs. For wisdom, Proverbs is a very good book to go to. You read through it once and you think there's a lot of stuff in there that really don't make much sense. You read through it twice, you think there's a little less that don't make much sense in there. And if you read it enough, some stuff starts actually making sense in there. But it takes some time with that. 
All right, Proverbs chapter 1, look at verse 7. We read this at the beginning in another scripture. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? But fools, what do they do? Despise wisdom and instruction. So you're either being wise as a kingdom citizen or you're being a fool as a kingdom citizen. What's the difference? It depends whether you basically are going after the wisdom of God or think that you can figure everything out for yourself. All right, Proverbs chapter 1, look at verse 20. It says that wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of the concourse in the openings of the gates. In the city she utters her words saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Simply turn at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. But because I have called, and you refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But you have set at not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when fear cometh, when your fear comes as desolation, and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they won't find me. For they hated the knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of a fool shall destroy them. But whoso hearkens unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet quiet from fear of evil. How many know that? Is that one of your favorite scriptures? You got that wrote down there? Notice, what's it talking about here? It's talking about most people in the church. You get born again, you get in the kingdom, you're just going to do your best your whole life, don't care what God says about anything, I don't need the wisdom of God, I don't need anything, everything's going fine, I'm going to do it my way. Who sang that song? Frank Sinatra, I'll do it my way. Then not once all hell breaks loose in your life, and not once you want to become a wisdom giant in two hours. So boy, you're into the Word of God, and you're studying the Word of God, and notice what wisdom says, hey, I'm just going to sit back and laugh, you messed up. See, you messed up. You, you could have been coming to me the whole time and got the wisdom for this situation. You could have had the knowledge on this situation. Now your money's falling apart. Now your marriage is falling apart. Now your kids are running wild. Now catastrophe is hitting. And all, once you want to try to get all the wisdom you need in a two-hour period, don't work that way. If you're going to go after the Lord, you've got to go after the wisdom of the Lord, basically, and find out how to handle these situations. It's good to know it before they come. You can be prepared for anything that hits your life if you just get in the Word of God and study and get the wisdom of God in any area of your life. Notice he says, just turn at my reproof. In other words, change the way you're thinking according to the world. And what's going to happen? The Spirit's going to get involved in the things of your life. And when calamity hits, you're going to be okay because basically at that time you'll know what to do in that situation. You'll know what to do when sickness comes. You'll know what to do when worry tries to enter your mind. You'll know what to do when the spirit of fear comes. You'll know what to do when money gets tight. What's the world say? Rob a bank. What's God say? Give. And your mind says, doesn't work out, does it? No, that's the dumbest thing you ever heard. So then you go to some of your friends who's never been in the wisdom of God too, but they've been in the church for 30 years. Hey, I'm about broke. What should I do? Boy, you better get another job. Whatever you do, don't give that away. Because if you give that away, you ain't going to have nothing. Why? Because they're all so stupid. It doesn't matter how many years you've been in this. It matters how much wisdom you've got out of this. 
in the time that you were in this. All right, Proverbs 3, look at verse 13. We'll just run through these quickly. Proverbs chapter 3, look at verse 13. Happy is the man that finds wisdom. Hallelujah. You see somebody depressed? What happened? Apparently they haven't found wisdom. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets what? Understanding. Understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof of fine gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies and all the things that cannot can be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Now once again this is talking about wisdom. But notice what it says. It is more important than rubies. It's more important than silver. Yet most people in the church would rather go after money, silver, and gold than they would the wisdom of God. But here it says you go after the wisdom first, and the money and the gold and the silver will follow you. And not only will it follow you, you won't be a fool because you'll know what to do with it when it finally comes to you. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 8. All right, Proverbs 8, look at verse 10. It says, Receive my instruction, not silver, and knowledge rather than gold, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find out knowledge of witty inventions. Say witty inventions. Now notice, as you study the wisdom of God and the Word of God, God will start to show you ways to do things that don't really make sense, but they work out. In other words, there may be an investment here. God tells you to put some money in it. At the time, it doesn't look like a good investment here. But in your spirit, God won't leave it go. You end up putting money in there, and two years later, it's went up from 2000 to a million dollars. But it didn't sound good at the time. Maybe he wants you to start a business. Maybe he wants you to invent something. Maybe he wants to do it. This all comes out of the wisdom of God that you place on the inside of you. All right, one more. Go to Proverbs 24. How many of you want to get really wealthy? Do, don't you? It's in our heart. He wants us to be wealthy, praise God. All right, Proverbs 24, look at verse 3. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Notice it doesn't say through hard work. It doesn't say through two jobs. It doesn't say through long hours. It says through wisdom and knowledge, you will end up with all precious and pleasant wisdom. So notice, wisdom is what we're talking about. The wisdom of God is the Word of God. As you study the Word of God and find out the will of God, basically and act on the will of God and the wisdom of God, things will start to line up in your life supernaturally. Say supernaturally. Many of the things that happen when you start believing the wisdom of God, they happen and you forgot that you even needed them and you don't know how they happened. You just get there and say, wow, look what I got here. Well, how did you get it? I don't really know how I got it. I just did A, B, and C that the Bible told me to do and everything worked out. My finances worked out. My marriage got better. I got peace and joy in my heart now. My body's coming back to health because I'm not worrying anymore. I'm not full of fear anymore. I'm full of joy now and I'm happy about anything and it's changing my entire life all because you sought the wisdom of God. Seek the wisdom of God for your life, for your family, for everybody around you, praise God, and it will change your life. Hallelujah. Say, I am hungry. For the Word of God. I know the Word of God is the will of God. It is the wisdom of God. No longer my thinking, 
No longer going to reason it out. No longer going to get stupid counsel. I am going to use the wisdom of God and the Word of God, and I will act on it every single time. Therefore, joy will be in my life. Peace will be in my life. Victory will be in my life. Finances will be in my life. Amen. <laughs>